Father, please open our hearts. May your spirit pave the way for us to receive your word and and practice it in the specific areas that you point to. Uh, Encourage us where we're on the path. Bring us back where we're off. Help us know that all we talk about this morning is impossible in our own power. We need the power of Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our families and in our society. And so we look to you in a dependent way with our, our hands open saying, fill us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're talking about a, an easy, easy topic, parenting. <laughs> oh, and, and I thought about this topic. I'm like, man, these last couple of weeks, these have been some, some tough subjects because this one, this one can be annoying uh, to hear about, especially if you ever sit across from someone that thinks they have it down to a T and they got the formula and they've done it just right and they're quick to show you all the ways you're doing it wrong and like, oh man. And the ironic thing about that is usually, often, it's people that don't have kids yet. (laughs) Now, now not everybody without kids is like that, but, but you know what I'm talking about. But it is refreshing, is it not, when, for example, you're on a a trail and it's your first time on the trail and and you come to a turn where you don't know where to go and someone who's hiked it many times before comes along and says, hey, uh, we've we've gotten lost ourselves a few times, but we found the way. Here's some help. It's, It's refreshing to find people like that. If, if you're looking for someone like that, there's a lot of people I could point to, but I'd encourage you, Paul and Kitty right here, they will never be quick to advertise that they're the ones to come to for that, but they have and are raising 11 children and grandchildren that are all in many stages of life and, and serving the Lord. They're trail guides like that that I'd encourage you to talk to. No pressure, Paul and Kitty. The, the line's going to start to form over here on the sidewalk. Where I consider Carolyn and myself is is in the middle of the game right now, okay? It's the third quarter. We're on the court with our three boys, 14, 11, and 3. We're sweating out there, and we've we've learned some things in the first couple quarters, uh, both by falling down and, and doing some wrong things, and we've learned some things from some victories, and we've most importantly learned from our coach, okay? And that's who I want you to hear from more than anything today. Not not me up here. I don't come to you as the one that's got it all figured out by far. I come to you presenting the word of the ultimate father who created the family, who created that unit and the idea of parents and children. And I want you more than anything to hear from him. And I'm going to talk to you in two different groups. I'm going to start with you kids. We are glad you're here, okay? I know these past couple weeks have been a little different. You guys are used to being in your other groups. You guys have been awesome hanging out here with us, and we're glad you're here. But I want you to think about the fact that in this passage, the Apostle Paul was writing to children. He did not overlook them. What would happen often when Paul sent a letter to a church it would be read in the congregation. And he expected that children would be sitting out there just like this. And that when their leaders read this passage, 
He wanted to speak to the kids. So God wants to speak to you guys today. He does not overlook you. You are an important part of the body of Christ. That was revolutionary when Paul wrote this. Because he wrote this in a day when many families overlooked children. Maybe saw them as an inconvenience. You guys remember this in the ministry of Jesus. The, the children came to Him and even His disciples said, no, 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 go away. But what did Jesus say? He said, let the children come to Me. Jesus loves the little children. It's true. But it was also revolutionary because even society did not appreciate children as much as our society generally does today. That, that is fading in some quarters. Because they didn't have that Judeo-Christian ethic in their history. The Roman father had ultimate authority over his family to the point where if they had a baby and he decided that he did not want that baby, he could leave it out in the elements to die of exposure. Now unfortunately, that's not too far off from some of our culture today, but, but all of us sitting here realize something about children. Children are a gift from the Lord. That same father, if he decided to, he could take one of his children and make them a slave in his field. Paul comes in with the mindset from Judaism, children are a gift from the Lord and you're part of the body. So I want you to listen, children, to what God says to you. What's important in the life of the child? Ephesians 6, 1, children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And here is the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now I want to talk to you kids for a minute. Does anybody know what this game is? Any children know what this is called? No? It's called lasso golf. What you do is you, you throw this, and if you get it on the top rung, it's one point. If you get it in the middle, it's two, and you get it on the bottom, it's three. But I need a child to come up here for a minute. I need, need you to try something for me, an example, teenager, child, just not an adult. Anybody? Come on. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. Anybody. Uh, any adults that want to act like a child? Sam, come on, buddy. <laughs> okay, I want to tell you something about this game. It, it is really important that you have both of these ends on here, okay? And I'm thinking for the kid, in the game of life, as a child, it's important that you have two things, obedience and honoring. you got to have both sides. Now, what happens, I want you to, to go ahead and throw that from right there, Sam. You, you got to have both sides to give you your best shot of getting some points. So go ahead and give it a try. Yeah. Is there any more points on any level? Or? Three points on the bottom. Okay, so th that's okay. Have a seat. Thank you. As you can see, there's no, there's no guarantees even with two. But I'm telling you something. If you have only one, it's impossible. That is never going to stick on there. Okay, you got to have both, kids when it comes to your relationship with your parents. You have got to obey them, and you've got to honor them. Now, I want to talk to you first about how serious God 
talks about children obeying their parents. Second Timothy. Paul has a list of things that are going to characterize the end times. Okay? The, the darkness in the world is going to increase. And he says this in 2 Timothy 3, starting at verse 1. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, and it keeps on going. But did you notice that he puts disobedient to parents right in the middle of that list? God takes disobedience to parents seriously. In fact, he also lists, lists disobedience to parents in Romans 1 when he talks about the downward spiral of, of sin in the world. Why is it so important that children obey their parents? It is preparing you to obey other authority in your life. Ultimately, God Himself. Your parents, when you obey them, you are preparing yourself to obey the ultimate Father. And there's, there's other steps along the way. If you learn to obey your parents, then you will obey your teachers in school and have a much easier time of it. If you learn to obey your teachers, most likely you're going to learn to obey the law authorities when you step out of school. And you're going to have a much easier time of it. If you don't, if going all the way back to the start, where you're at with your parents right now, you are setting yourselves up for trouble. Now here's one thing. There's a big conversation that, that goes on in all the parenting books. When a parent says do something, do they have to tell the child why? And I'm all for when it makes sense and there's time and it helps shape the child's heart to, uh, to explain why. Okay, I think there are times to have that conversation because when it's possible, you want them to understand the why of what you're doing. But sometimes it's an urgent situation and there's just not time to explain why. As a child, you've got to decide that you're going to obey whether or not your parent answers that question or not. Apart from them leading you to do something that would break God's Word, okay? You, you answer to God first, okay? But assuming they're not doing that, you don't always have to know why. Your job is simply to obey. And I thought about why is that important? Well, Paul says we, we do this in the Lord, right? That means we obey in His power. We obey for Him realizing that when I obey my parents, it's ultimately God that I'm worshiping. So, so let me talk to the kids. If you love Jesus and you want to be faithful to Him, one of those important steps you got to take is to obey your parents because it's to the Lord. And I found something in my own walk with the Lord. When He tells me to do something or He leads me to do something by His Spirit, He does not always explain why. Sometimes He just leads me to go, to say this, to do this. And I don't see why until later, or maybe not until I get to heaven. Just ask Abraham. You remember a little journey up a mountain with his son Isaac? Imagine all the thoughts going through Abraham's mind. 
God did not explain to him why, but what did Abraham do? He obeyed. So obedience is key, but it's not just obedience, kids. What, what was the second one on there? Honor. Honor. This one's important because man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. It's important that as we obey parents, we also honor them. Parents pick up on this too. I want to do a poll of the parents and I want the, the kids to watch. How many of you parents really enjoy it and appreciate it when you tell your child to do a chore, say take out the trash, and they do it, but it's like, don't take out the trash, I'm in the middle of a show and I'm going to miss the second half, and why do I have to do it right now? And How many parents appreciate that? Raise your hand. Why? It doesn't feel honoring, right? Now let me do another poll. Kids, you watch this. How many of you love it when your kid says, Okay, Dad. Okay, Mom. And they go do it, and they pull it out, and they tie it up good, and, and they smile, and they take it out the garbage can and drop it in there. And then not only that, they come back in, and they, they put the new bag in, and then quietly go back to what they were doing before. How many parents appreciate that? There you go. Listen, it's important not just to obey, but to honor Okay, but here's a little extra motivation. He says there's a promise with this, and it's from the Old Testament. He was originally talking to Israel, God was. It says that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now for them, that was the promised land. There are at least two ways this can apply to your life as a child. Live long in the land. Many believe that this can play out in your life as an individual. Not always, because don't we know that some obedient people die early and some very disobedient people live a long time, okay? It's not a hard, fast guarantee in every case, but as a general rule of thumb, people that learn to listen to their parents and other authorities put themselves in less risky situations and as a, as a result, live longer. It, that's kind of like the other day. We were at Fane Park at the creek, and we were out there, and Jaden was up on a rock that was about 10 or 12 feet high, and he had his feet dangling off, and below him, about 12 feet below, were other big, huge rocks. And, and Jaden's sitting there, and he's got his hands on the edge of the rock, and he starts pushing himself up and out over the ledge. And I said, Jaden, Jaden, I know this doesn't look like those big drops at Arches National Park or the Grand Canyon, but that's a rock down there. You are at least going to break two legs, maybe worse if you fall, so please don't do that. He stopped. If he listens to me in moments like that, there's a decent chance he's going to live longer and avoid some consequences. I know how it is, though. I told him I was a teenage boy, and boys' brains, they're not fully developed when they're teenagers. I remember when, when I was a kid, we had some smoke bombs at our house for 4th of July in Ohio, and my mom was leaving to go shopping, and she said, no fireworks until 4th of July when we're all here. So mom leaves, and where, where do I go? Find the smoke bombs. And I'm, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm not great at lighting these things yet, so I hold it in one hand and light it with the other, and if you've ever lit one of those smoke bombs, you know that sometime before the smoke comes a big flame. 
and I burnt my thumb on the other hand and my brother ran and got the neighbor then my brother burned his thumb and mom came home and what did she say she said I told you not to mess with those until the 4th of July I I didn't listen and I paid the price so your own life may be longer if you learn to obey authority early kids but this can also apply to a whole society lasting the promise was to the nation of Israel in the land right and one of the things that I think about with this obedience is it's not just me my actions impact my family which impact the society and not only this, you are links in a chain, kids. It's like this is a relay race, and you, your parents have run their lap, and, and now they're in the process of handing you the baton. But someday, many of you are going to be passing that baton on to, to your kids and your grandchildren. So when you learn now to obey your parents and obey the Lord and walk in His ways, you bring benefits to a society in general. By doing so. And that's important right now. How many of you know we live in a nation in a world that is crumbling? Because people are throwing away the word of God. You guys could be rebels in the best sense of that word. You know, I know when you're a kid, there's something in you that wants to rebel. I, I was one. And, and I, it, all of us as humans have some of that in us. But I want to tell you, if you want to rebel against something, rebel against Satan. Okay? Last week, Pastor Aaron told me his mom was mowing the lawn in Texas. And she came across a giant rattlesnake. You know what she did? She pushed that lawnmower right over the rattlesnake. I said, man, they're not kidding when they say don't mess with Texas. You want to rebel against something, you rebel against that serpent. Take the lawnmower to him. And say, I'm going to be different. I'm going to obey my parents. I'm going to obey God. And that's the baton I want to pass to the generations after me. Obey and honor and remember that promise. Now I want to talk to the parents. I want to go back to that verse. Psalm 127.3 Children are a gift from the Lord. That's an important one to remember if you've got a three-year-old screaming in your face and refusing to go to bed. Children are a gift from the Lord. We need to remember that. I, I heard one parent say it like this. The, the days are long, but the years are short. Before long, I, I see these graduation signs out in people's yards, and I'm like, man, we're only four years away from that. We got this precious little window with these gifts that are under our roof. They are gifts from the Lord. We need to remember that. Verse 4, it says, Fathers, and the same will be true of mothers as well. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. When we talked about needing both sides on that lasso golf ball, Parents, it's the same with us, and I'm not going to have any volunteers come up. But for parents, the, the two sides we need to have are love and training. If we only have one of those, there is no way we're going to reach the goal. Even when we have two, if you look at the world, I'm not going to lie and say there's guarantees, okay? 
you read the Old Testament and sometimes you see a really godly king followed by a really wicked one. And other times you, you see a really wicked king and he has a son and turns out to be a really God, godly one. That means each generation has to make the choice. That kind of comes back to you kids. Remember that. It's not enough that your parents chose the Lord. You've got to choose Him too. But parents, we want to give ourselves the best shot of preparing that ground to be the best ground it can be. We need the love and the training. And the training includes discipline and instruction. Okay, I want to start with the love. That, I get that out of the phrase, bring them up. It has that idea of nurture. We have to be people that love the children God has put under our care. We spend time with them. Speak words that lift them up and, and show mercy to them and, and treat them as fellow humans in the image of God. We have to love those children. And I see, see this picture in 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul talks about how they, they dealt with the church in Thessalonica. And I see the love in 1 Thessalonians 2.7. He says, We were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. I, I see a couple things in that picture of love. Right? It's, it's a, there's a gentleness that comes with that. There's a sharing of who I am with you. I love you, so I'm going to share my life with you. That, that love is key in the relationship. But we also have to have the training, which includes the discipline and the instruction. And I, I want you kids to hear that too because when your parents discipline and instruct you, it's not because they woke up one day and said, boy, it'd be great to discipline my kid today. We, most of us hate that process at moments because it's painful. But if we love the Lord, we aim to do it because we are obeying His instructions just like you're obeying yours when you obey and honor your parents. But I see this side in 1 Thessalonians 2 as well. Paul goes on in verse 11, For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you. What's that mean? It means to encourage and kind of push along the way. And here's the path to go on. Go, go down this way and encouraged you and charged you. That's an even stronger word. There's this charging of go down this path. Don't go down this path. Because I love you. The word discipline is a cool one if you like Star Wars. It came from a Greek word, padea. Can you think of any words that sound like that in Star Wars as far as uh, padea, someone being trained? Padawan. Yes, uh, a younger Jedi was often trained by an older Jedi and he was often called the, the young Padawan learner. It's... It, the older Jedi disciplined the younger Jedi in the ways of being a Jedi. It's not pleasant always, but it's important. Because while our world starts with the idea that we come into this world innocent and righteous, the Bible comes from a different place. And it's not just true of those who are children now, it's true of every one of us sitting here as we come into the world. Proverbs 22.15 Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Folly is foolishness. It involves sin. It's, it, we come in with sin in the mix. But the rod of discipline 
drives it far from Him. Parents who love their children discipline them with grace and mercy and not crossing the line into abuse, but they do discipline their children. This came home to me because the Houston Police Department a number of years ago made a list of of 12 rules for raising delinquent children. 12 rules to raise a juvenile delinquent. I thought this was interesting. Number one, begin with infancy to give the child everything he wants. And this way he will grow up to believe the world owes him a living. Number two, when he picks up bad words, laugh at him. This will make him think he's cute. It will also encourage him to pick up cuter phrases that will blow off the top of your head later. (laughs) Number three, never give him any spiritual training. Wait till he is 21 and then let him decide for himself. Number four, avoid use of the word wrong. It may develop a guilt complex. This will condition him to believe later when he is arrested for stealing a car that society is against him and he is being persecuted. Number five, pick up everything he leaves lying around, books, shoes, and clothing. Do everything for him so he will be experienced in throwing all responsibility onto others. Number six, let him read any printed matter he can get his hands on. Be careful that the silverware and drinking glasses are sterilized, but let his mind feast on garbage. Number seven, quarrel frequently in the presence of your children. In this way, they will not be too shocked when the home is broken up later. Number eight, give a child all the spending money he wants. Never let him earn his own. Why should he have things as tough as you had them? Number nine, satisfies every craving for food, drink, and comfort. See that every sensual desire is gratified. Denial may lead to harmful frustration. Number ten, take his part against neighbors, teachers, and policemen. They are all prejudiced against your child. Number 11, when he gets into real trouble, apologize for yourself by saying, I never could do anything with him. And number 12, prepare for a life of grief. You will be apt to have it. Listen, kids, none of us want you to be characterized by that list. So the parents in the crowd, I know most of them well enough to say your parents love you. Okay, and when they discipline you, It's because they love you and they want you to walk with God. If there's something different going on, you may need to talk to someone. That's discipline. Instruction. This is the verbal. This is the talking about it. This is putting the truth in front of our children. Not just on Sundays, but but on a day in, day out basis. E.K. Simpson shared a story one time about a man that thought, hey, I... It's not good to to lead children in what path they should go or what they should believe. You just got to let them sort it out on his own. And he said the other guy listening to him took it took him to a garden, and it was covered with weeds. And he looked at the first guy and said, "I'm just going to leave those there." And the first guy said, "Well, why?" And the the second guy said, "Well, I wouldn't want to bias this garden towards." healthy vegetables and big, beautiful roses. You understand the point. 
parents, it is our job to nurture that soil and put the truth in front of our, our child. And while we can't guarantee the outcome, each child has to make his decision, we will answer before God someday as to how we prepared that garden with His truth. It's all through the Bible. Proverbs was written from parents to children, right? Proverbs 1, 8-10, through 10, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And you go on all through the book, you hear a father's heart for his child. Parents, we, we have to take time to do that. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now think about that one, and it's been pointed out by many. When it says, in the way he should go, it's not only this general sense of right and wrong that's true for all of us. Each of your children is different. you got to watch and learn and see how God's leading them and gifting them and help each one go in the path which they should go. Having three boys, it's amazing how different each one is. Like One of the things that's jumped us out to us about Jaden is he's got a discerning mind when it comes to truth and falsehood in the world. And, and he will call it out as it comes across the TV screen, on the news or whatever. Evan has this merciful heart that just runs to the hurting and, and the broken. And, and Luke has a strong personality. My dad says, man, this world's going to need some strong personalities in the days ahead so long as they're channeled into the ways of God. But each one of them is different. And we've got to look at the kids in our care and say, how, how is God gifting and leading them? Psalm 127.4 says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. I think it was Stu Weber that said, if they're arrows, arrows are, are meant to, to fire at a, at a target perhaps somewhere where, where we'll never go as they go out into their lives. And he encouraged parents to think about as you prepare to fire those children out into the world, out into independence, what is the bullseye you're aiming for? And he encourages parents to, to think about that early on so everything you pour into that child is geared towards that bullseye where you're, you're going to fire that arrow. It starts early too. This is not just, hey, they're 13 now, it's time to start the training. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15. It says, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Kids pick up more than we realize. And that works both ways. Trust me, I've seen it in ways I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, they pick up the, the not so good habits too. But Luke shocked me yesterday in the kitchen. Luke is three years old and we're just in the kitchen getting breakfast or whatever and all of a sudden he just says, God lives here. I'm like, dude, they, they, they pick up more than we realize. That's something we should all know. God is with us. God is here. He's not just out there in heaven somewhere. God, God lives here. I'm like, dude, we got to nurture that and, and water that. And it's not only in formal times either. It's along the way. As we get in our cars, as we go to bed at night, as we sit at the dinner table, it's as we take a hike. Listen to what Moses said in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Moses says, make sure they go to Sunday school and youth group every week. Is that in there? No, what does he say? He says to parents, talk about these commands when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, what am I not saying? Am I discounting youth groups and Sunday schools? No. Thank the Lord we have Daniel, Caitlin, and Carolyn leading the way in those ministries in our church. But they are only called alongside us as parents. Think of the hours we have with our children versus the one or two they have with them every week. The bulk of their training is happening at home. And that's where Moses puts it along the way. And here's the tricky part. It's not just what we say. It's our example. It's our example. Larry Christensen said it this way. We say God is great, God is good, and we thank Him for this food. But deep down in the heart where the real attitudes are formed, our prayerless lives as parents have taught another message. God is great, but He can wait. Gotta hurry or I'll be late. That's convicting. It's not just what we say. It's, it's how we live in, in front of them that they, that they learn from. This can happen in times of discussion. I've, I've shared this tool with you before. Josh Cooley wrote a book called The One-Year Devotions with Jesus, 365 Devotions to Help You Know and Love the Savior. This is not great for Luke at three years old. He's usually making noise and other stuff. Uh, I recommend other tools for the little guys, but for Evan and Jaden and their teens, this has been an awesome tool, teaching them different things about Jesus every day from God's Word. Sometimes it's in the, the formal time at the dinner table. But sometimes it's as God works in the, the warp and woof of life and you show them how He's working. I'll give you an example of how these came together. There were two days a couple weeks ago where the verse in here was Romans 8.1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, that's a verse we need as we go through this topic, right? Because every kid here knows you've dropped the ball somewhere. Every parent here knows we've dropped the ball somewhere Listen, in Christ there is no condemnation. He's not looking to condemn us. He's looking to bring us, encourage us in His ways and bring us back, okay? But that verse came up and we talked about it two days in a row. And then, the verse of the day on version. if any of you ever look at that in the morning, I, I do when I'm getting ready. And uh, the verse of the day was from John chapter 3, where Jesus says, whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is already condemned. And so I was like, oh, there's a theme going on. God wants me to know that in Christ, I am not condemned. And then the next day, Charlie from church texts me from the end of Romans 8. He didn't even know what was going on. He texted the verse where it says, who is he that condemns? The answer, it is Christ who justifies. In other words, the only one who can rightfully condemn me has justified me, made me right with his father because of his blood. So we went back and told the kids, kids, I think God is speaking to us about this. We need to take in the hope of this truth. 
you need to know that in Christ there is no condemnation in your life. So we showed them how God was weaving this in, in and through even other people. Sometimes it's big things, sometimes it's small things. A couple years ago, we had a rabbit that would show up every day in our backyard. The past couple of years, I haven't seen one. And there was a day a couple of weeks ago where I just thought to myself, man, I miss seeing that little rabbit out there eating the grass. And it was a day or two later, you know what showed up in the backyard and he's been there every day since? A little rabbit. Now, is this a huge thing in the scope of life? No. But what did I do? I, I, Evan was talking to me about it. And I said, you know what? I didn't specifically pray that to God, but you know what I believe? God knew I would love to see his little rabbit out there in the backyard and, and he brought him. God cares about the big and the small. And I, I just told him how I saw that. They're watching too. We can talk about fellowship, but our kids watch to see, is that something we're a part of? Uh, it happened the other day, Friday. It was good to get back to IHOP with our men's group with, with Daniel and a couple other guys. And we get there to iron sharpens iron and part of another men's group on Tuesdays. It just started getting back in person. And and my oldest son said, what book are you guys studying in your, in your men's group? And I told him, and I said, hey, would you want to go through that this summer since you're off of school? And he said, yeah, let's do it. He, he, he's watching these men get together and he's picking up, okay, it's good for men to get together and encouraging each other. Here's another one where I'm honestly convicted. Making our prayer time with the kids real prayer. Okay? We laugh at our house because little Luke's learning, but... He's got one prayer right now. Every night, whether he's sick or not, help me feel better. Help me feel better. And, and we're trying to teach him other things to pray, but then where I'm convicted is sometimes I'm so tired at night in our prayer time, it's, it's just like that. It's just, it's just repetitive. Like, Lord, thanks for this day. Help us to sleep good. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm like, is that modeling prayer for my children? Or how can we make it more real? And I've read many great suggestions from, from Christian authors this week. One is spend time praising the Lord for who He is in front of your kids. Two is ask for specific requests that when they're answered, you can look together and say, do you see what God did? Like, like the time we prayed for our neighbor to have an opportunity to share the gospel with her. And she came to the fence and we poured it out there. Did you see that? Like weaving that in more, making it a real conversation with God. Also sharing where we've seen God move in our lives with our kids. One example that I think of recently, many of you know about a month and a half ago, our, our staff wrestled with, should we apply for the Paycheck Protection Program with the government, not knowing what the weeks to come would hold for myself and our other staff. And after talking about it as elders and praying about it, we decided not to. And I remember that morning that we decided that, I, I looked to God and I said, God, I'm looking at you. <laughs> I am looking at you. I am counting on you. I am watching. You are our provider and I'm watching. And I shared a couple weeks ago, that week was one of the largest deposits we've ever put in from giving in the life of our little church. And I said, thank you, Lord. And we told the kids about that. How God stepped in there and, and took care of us. Okay, I, I think about... 
something Carolyn does that, that I think is awesome. As you see corruption out in the world and the government and scandals where people are acting nefariously, she prays regularly that God would expose the corruption and bring righteousness to bear in our government. And so when this scandal or that scandal comes to light and justice is brought to bear on it, she'll, she'll tell our family about it. I was praying for that. And look, God is moving. The truth is rising in that situation. Letting them see where, where God is at work in real ways today. As we near the end, I want to talk to fathers. As I said, this verse could apply to mothers as well. But he specifically says, Fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It is so important, dads, that we do not think we can go away, run away from our family to our workplace all day and expect mom to do all this and leave no time for ourselves and our kids. That is not God's plan. He specifically says, fathers, I think I learned more about being a man from watching my dad than he ever told me. I'd wake up and see him praying with his face in his chair in the morning. I'd see him going to work hard during the day, but I'd also see him spending time with us, taking us camping and pouring into us. That shaped me. It just built into me, this is what a, a father looks like. And this hit me in a way this week that made me weep how, how important a father is to a child. Earlier this week, Carolyn and I went out to Fane Park with, with a friend who was visiting. It was a grandma who has custody of her three-year-old granddaughter because her dad had gotten involved in some crime and went to prison, and her dad doesn't have custody of her because of that. And I don't judge him. I pray he's making a turnaround, and I know Jesus can reach anybody, but the hole in her heart struck me because after an hour and a half at Fane Park, the kids throwing rocks and we had some food and all this stuff. We're walking and it's time to leave. I've been with this girl for one and a half hours and I feel something on my hand. We're walking out. She reached up and, and grabbed my hand as we walked to the car. I'm like, man, that little girl needs a daddy so bad. And when it was time to leave, she's saying, I don't want to leave. And I just want to encourage us men to be there for the kids in our lives. If, if you're divorced, still be there for the kids in your life, okay? God still wants to use you in that role. If you're in your home, work hard, but not so much that you're not spending time with the kids, loving them and shaping them. They, they need us. They need us. The goal of a father here being, being involved, he says, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And there are many ways a father can provoke his child to anger, frustration. There's the not being there, being heavy-handed, uh, putting unreasonable demands on young children, constant nitpicking, uh, playing favorites. Jacob comes to mind. Not disciplining at all or doing so inconsistently. You think of what happened with some of David's kids in the Bible and the fallout. This, this came home to me in a personal way this week as a, a friend of mine shared a story about his growing up years. He's, he's now older than I am, but listen to the hurt that he went through as a child. 
he, he told me I could share this. He said, it was hard living under my dad's heavy hand, being the type of person he was. At the age of five, my dad would bounce quarters off my bed to see how tight the sheets were. If it didn't pass, I would have to make it up again. Many times I would have a project or something I'd be trying to put together. If it wasn't going right in his frustration of watching me mess it up, he would say in a rough, condescending tone, give that to me, and then proceed aggressively, take it out of my hands and fix it. I grew up thinking I was worthless and incapable. I still live with some of the negative self-talk about my worth. It is a hard thing to reverse and overcome when it's stuck in your hard drive. However, I was fortunate that several weeks before my dad's passing, he spoke with me and told me that he loved me. Then he said that I was a good man. I think he was looking down the long road of life that he had already been down and realized what he had put me through. All this didn't click for me then, but months later what he said in his last days was a great help. And then he closed with this. These are words from my friend. Children look for their father's love and approval of them. They want to show you that they are good at something. So help them through their struggles. Don't take them away. Let them struggle a little. Let them figure it out or they will never learn under your guidance. God is our Father. He helps us through our struggles for our benefit and for the benefit of our relationship with Him. Otherwise, we would never know the struggle or the worth of our relationship with Him. I don't know about you, but that hit me with the high calling us fathers have and the importance of that love and that time together, that that merciful hand, even in the instruction and discipline. As we close, I want to talk about the ultimate goal of our obedience to our parents. This is back to the kids and the parents. What's the ultimate goal of learning obedience in our families? It is obedience to Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. The one who said in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It is to obey the one who calls us to to go and make disciples. As we say, live a full life in Jesus and bring others along for the ride. And I want to close with a story that excited me this week. Someone doing that very thing. Bob at our church, he's not here today. He, he texted me a week and a half ago or so. And he said, hey, pastor, do you think sometime we could go out to Lakeshore Park again and uh, share the gospel with people? <laughs> I grabbed our fellow elders and I said, man, every pastor in this country would die to get a text like that from somebody in their church. I'm like... Gee, let me think about it. Yes! So we go down to Lakeshore Park this week. He, he meets me there. We pray and we walk the lap once and some, some hellos and some things like that, some small talk. And you know how sometimes you get in a conversation and it, it's just that. There's other times where there's something more. So after the first lap, I asked him, I said, you want to go one more and just see if God opens any doors? And, and we met a fellow there. 
we got to talking to him. His name was Wayne, and he, he told us his dog's name, and his dog's name, Sophie, happened to be the same as my parents' dog, and, and he got to talking about his military experience. He was a Vietnam vet. He actually lost a brother, Cedric, over there that he shared about. Told us his brother's name was on the wall. I shared a story about a local Vietnam vet who who was the only guy in his unit to survive an attack and a, a helicopter came and rescued him and as he was getting flown out he he started this Buddhist chant because he had been exposed to some Buddhism but he said I don't know how but as I was saying that chant it, it turned into the Lord's Prayer coming out of my mouth and he said when I got back home safely I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ we talked about that and God opened the bridge and at that point I just kind of stepped back and started praying and I watched Bob. Bob walked him through his need for a savior. He, he said, do you think there's an afterlife? I hope so and I hope it's better than this one. He said, all, all I know is I want a little help down here. It's dark. And Bob shared, well I, I tell you how you can know and he started with the law and showing him our need for a savior which is what the law is for we've all broken it then he took him to the cross and he encouraged him to look to the cross to Jesus for his salvation and encouraged him hey as you process through this have you have you read the bible the guy said not cover to cover and Bob said yeah not me either but we encouraged him hey pick it up and start in the book of John and ask him to show you who he is if you Put your faith in Him and, and repent of your sin. You, you trust in Jesus. You know you have that eternal life, that afterlife you're hoping for. And, and we walked away and I had the biggest smile in my heart. And you know what I, I said to Bob before we left? I looked at him and I said, thank you for obeying God when He put that on your heart. He put that nudge in there and you said yes. And now some seeds have been planted because you obeyed. That's where all this obedience leads to. Surrender to God to say, yes, yes, Lord. And it starts in the home. It starts in the home. Father, thank You so much. I think we, we hear a message like this and we look at Your plan just like we looked at Your plan for marriage and we say, wow, it's a beautiful plan. But we can all think of ways where we've fallen short. And we confess that today. I confess that. I thank You for Your grace and mercy in the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation in Jesus. Anyone feeling condemned, bring it to the cross. Put your faith in Him. He'll wash that condemnation away. But also, let us not be apathetic. If we see the areas where we need to grow, maybe a conversation we need to have with a child or children, a conversation we need to have with a parent, help us to take that step. Maybe it's an apology. Uh, maybe it's a new commitment in our homes. Lord, the, the beautiful thing with You is your, your mercies are new every morning. I believe that. I believe that's true in every home. And no matter what yesterday or this morning held, Your mercies are new right now. So we come to You and pray for those to flood our home. And that You would work. Jesus Christ would live His life in and among us, that we would realize God lives here and live in light of that in powerful ways in the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen.